welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, psychological health, physical health, emotional health, awareness in men and society. First, it started with MAN, the acronym M-A-N, Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. Uh, my name is Nate Gladden. I live in Princeton, New Jersey, and uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough to be asked on here. Uh, I guess quickly about myself, and then we'll go from wherever you want. I've been serving in the uh, United States Air Force for 19 years now, originally from Florida. A bit of a sports nut. I love love sports, love animals, love people just in general, but uh, my profession as a as it were, has been uh, in the military and then uh, a lot of time coaching on the side and uh, in college and youth sports. That's kind of my, uh, it's always been my kind of my joy, I guess you'd say, on the side. But that's the quick version of me in a nutshell. So, so you said you're near Florida. Um, where, in the, for the listeners out there in the world, whereabouts, you know, for people who may not know, whereabouts are you in the States exactly, would you say? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So for those who want to get kind of a geographical mind of where I'm talking about. So if you look at a map of where New York City is and you look at Philadelphia, almost in between those two, almost, is Princeton, New Jersey. A beautiful town. It's a small town. Uh, When people think of New Jersey, they think of like right next to New York City. Uh, There's a lot of countryside right around here. Uh, And Princeton, New Jersey is the home of the Princeton University, uh, the University of Princeton, actually. So a beautiful little place. If you're ever in America, highly, uh, highly recommend coming through this region it's a beautiful little town and uh yeah it's but uh, like about an hour south of new york city i'm trying to think now wait new jersey new jersey princeton did i go there yeah it's a it's an underrated little town but it's a beautiful town nice little nice little shops wonderful to walk around the college is uh, beautiful it's just it's just it's such a nostalgic place and actually a matter of fact if you've ever seen the movie beautiful mind this is where they this is where they filmed the movie I'm trying to remember if I if that was the way I I did um because I went I've, I've been there I think I've I've been to New Jersey but I can't remember the, yeah. the the place I was in New York I was doing coaching football and then we yeah. went to New Jersey for to, to to coach football you know soccer and yeah, I'm just trying to remember if that was played but I'm, I'm just I'll get back to you on that one but um yeah it was a it was a while ago now and and it, it was and you remember the place being very um quiet and scenic I've been there really yeah it's a lot different than people would think when they think of New Jersey but it's a beautiful place yeah yeah so what is New or what yeah what is New Jersey what's what's it famous for any any you know, you know famous personalities <laughs> or? well it's probably not famous for a lot of good things uh, uh, so it's funny uh, when I moved here because you know being in the Air Force I've moved around and fortunate enough to move around quite a bit um, when I when I was living in, I was stationed in D.C., so I was working in Washington, D.C. before this. And then when I got ready to move up here, I was like, New Jersey, huh? And I was like, well, this will be interesting. Um, I figured, honestly, I was going to live in a concrete jungle. Everybody sees, like, Jersey Shore on TV. They think of all the people down on the coast like that, or they think about gambling in Atlantic City, or they think about living in the construction and heavy industry area just outside of New York City. I drove up and drove through, you know, big farms and, pasture land all of this beautiful beautiful just rural which is what a lot of new jersey is um as soon as you get outside once you leave the cities of new jersey you are almost instantly in the countryside and it's very very pretty um 
and and so for this it's you know if you if you come to new jersey you have the ability to do the big city um and you have the ability to do the beach and you have the ability to do sort of the small wine country and you have um you know, just the chance to be out in a peaceful place and uh, it's a, it's definitely an underrated state that i wasn't expecting yeah so where were you where were you born in sense then I was born in Florida. I was born in Florida. I lived there until I was 17, I believe. Yeah, so I lived there. I grew up in Florida. Um, if you look at a map, pretty much like that Tampa and Ocala, that's central Florida, some on the coast, some in the center. Like that's the region of the, uh, that's, that's pretty much the region that I would, you'd find me. Um, there as far as growing up. So that, that section. Then I met, lived in Georgia. Um, I lived in Georgia for a couple of years, and then I joined the Air Force. So I finished high school there in Georgia, and then I'm off I went, and then that has taken me, wow, um, Texas, Arizona, Arkansas, Japan, back stationed in Georgia, been stationed in uh, Connecticut, I've been stationed in D.C., I've been stationed here in New Jersey, and then I've done a decent amount of time around the world. So how you found how you found moving around before we get you know before we get into the how you found that moving around for you is it is it keep you know the, the, is it lack of stability or what what how you no, uh, I love it yeah. I love it I love it and I, I tell you there, I think the reason one I just I enjoy getting out and going and, and seeing and experiencing new uh, new faces and spaces like I really do uh, but I think a big thing too was uh, for for me I, I when I joined the military it wasn't I, you know, I was like everybody else. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see the world. But you don't really know what that means. Like, you have no idea unless you've, been, unless you've grown up seeing the world. You don't really know what that even means. Yeah. Uh, once I got in, I started to realize what that meant. Like, oh, wow, no. Like, when you go see this other place in the world, you see all these other cultures and you eat all this different food and you eat all, you know, really started to understand that and embrace it. And so for me, I look at it. And every time the military tells me they're going to send me to a new place for a couple of years, I think this is a part of the country I probably would never get to live in. Like even my own country, my own, I've discovered so much about my own country and the personalities and the and the backgrounds and everything, and just in my own country. And it's it's wonderful. Like it's so I've become very I want to say addicted to it. I I, I like to be I like moving around every couple of years and uh, and experiencing it. And, and it helps me also figure out like whenever it's time to settle down and. And I say settle down carefully because I'm I'm a move about kind of person, but yeah. uh, but it gives me an idea of like okay, what what part of the country do I actually want to live in? I, I've got experience in all the different areas. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's you know it's 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 very um, um how can I put it? It's because for for most people, you know the the for, I say most people, I can't say that for for some people, the, the moving about can be. Can be a bit unsettling. Yeah. yeah, can be unsettling, and for some people, it can be. Um, it gives them a, a, a sense of, like you just said, where can I, where can I settle? Where can what country or what um, area? What's the nice, place, best place I can settle in? So, let's let's talk about um, your your journey. Um, you, you know, you kind of did a bit of a roadmap there. Um, a route, 60, yeah. a route 66, 67, 68, 69. <laughs> Let's talk about your journey and and what you've you know what you've experienced and your thoughts on health and you know and human mankind, mankind, humankind. Yeah. No, I think uh, 
And I think I'll say this to kind of finish on the last point you made, and then it'll kind of make sense as I go back. I think the mental health aspect, I think it's interesting, right? I think people, if you say mental health, everybody sort of translates it slightly different, right? They, they may have the same basis. I think if you put it on paper, everybody would come up pretty much the same thing, but like a little bit of adjustment here and there. And I think that comes from everybody's story and how they get to there and how they focus on their mental health. Um, for me, I didn't. I did not focus on mental health. Uh, I'm 38 years old for the first 35 years of my life. I didn't pay attention to my, I, like the idea of if somebody had have said mental health to me before I was about 35, I would have just walked off and been like, I don't really know why you're wasting my time. I'm fine. And I would have just kept going because that was where my mindset was. Like, this did, I, I wasn't ready to, uh, I wasn't ready to process what that would mean. And so I say that to say, you know, grow up, uh, I was very fortunate. I had an amazing family. I have a, like, a, I have a very large family, uh, just extended family as well. And, and just a great group of people. I, mean, I, I adore my family. Um, but I did go through a, a bit of some things that confused me along the way. And if I'm honest, they put me in about two, they put me in two decades. It's funny. It made me who I am today, but it definitely messed me up. So growing up, my, my biological father was not a good man. My biological father was a druggie. He was an alcoholic. He was abusive to my mother. Luckily, she was an amazing, or she is an amazing woman, and she was a, a great woman. And she didn't tolerate that, and she moved on. Um, but in the process, you know, as, as I grew up, he decided he would, for lack of a better term, get rid of me. But he signed the papers to never have to be responsible for me. And I know that happens. There are many fathers or many mothers or whatever that aren't a part of their child's life and they move on and they, it happens. But for me, somewhere in there to realize, like, uh, this man was willing to, like, go into a courtroom and sign a piece of paper to, like, not have to ever pretend like I exist, that messed with me. Yeah. Um, it didn't mess with me terribly in the sense that I knew that it was messing with me. It just messed with me in that like subconscious way of like, okay, well, I guess I don't have like, I must not be valuable to, to that guy. Um, and I never really, from that point on, I didn't realize it at the time. I never really trusted, other than my grandfather, I didn't really trust any men in my life. Uh, but I wasn't like going out of my way to not worry about it. I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't make, it just wasn't a thing for me. I loved my mom and I had sisters and I had, big family so I had all those people in my family to just to love on and trust um, as I got into my teenage years I was like every other boy um, every other kid really but every other boy you know every other kid in the sense of we we all know that we're teenagers grown-ups know nothing and we know everything so I was just like everybody else. Uh, you know as a as a boy I was just like every other boy I'm sure I could jump from this tree limb to that tree limb uh, fall and break something so I was you know I was always doing you know stupid things like boys do yeah. um growing up and uh and then i got into my teenage years and during my teenage years uh, when i attended a church summer camp i attended this church summer camp to actually coach it's funny i was you know i was 15 16 time frame you know so uh, in, in, in that age group area and uh these were little kids most of them like five and six years old and i i played football as you said so soccer i played soccer i played American football, basketball, and everything, and so I went back to work like as a summer camp counselor for kids, just a volunteer, yeah. and uh, and I loved it. Uh, I've always enjoyed being, you know, being involved like that. Uh, but in the process of that, over a couple of summers, um, I, I was I was taken advantage of basically. So I was sexually abused, and there was a there was a man that worked there as a camp counselor who unfortunately uh, messed with me. And at first it was the simplest things. It was the, you know, just 
you're a boy, every boy wrestles with other boys, and these are men, and you want to test yourself against, you know, men, and so you're wrestling, and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And then it was comments about, oh, you know, getting hair on your chest, or, you know, those kind of comments, those normal standard comments that we all as men will say sometimes, and it's not even, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, or at least I didn't realize it meant anything. And that led to slowly touching and exposing himself and groping, and, and it went down that road. Uh, but I didn't know what to do with that. Uh, at first, there was nothing. I was like, "How do I tell somebody that he that I that I saw him? Like, how how do I what do I say? I saw him in the bathroom like that. Like that happened. So how do you? So he he was very disturbed, but a very intelligent about the way he went about it. To where I couldn't really do anything. And and then as time went on, you know. It, as time went on and I got to the point where I finally thought I'm going to work up the bravery to do something. He's very shrewd. It was, it was, you know, this was a, this was somebody that obviously, you know, was an awful person and they knew what they were doing. He was careful to go all the way to, but never to rape, which guaranteed them. Like he would, like he would say, prove it, you know? So it was one of those things. So that mentally messed with me. Yeah. I didn't know how to, I wasn't prepared. Obviously, like my family, like my mom, just like everybody else would have said, hey, you know, if anybody ever touches you inappropriately, tell us. But then it gets into it actually happening and you don't know what to do. And I didn't know. And I grew up in a time, especially like, you know, this, like, you know, we're, we're old enough to know that we, I grew up in a time where if I went to school and told somebody like they would have just, I mean, they still probably do. I'm just not in school anymore, but they yeah. would have just harassed you nonstop. Yeah. So the idea of that just terrified me. So I kept it in. And I didn't, and I moved past, I was like, you know what, I'm never going to be taken advantage of again. I'm going to be tough. So I was always kind of fun loving and laughing and joking. But I, but from that experience, I was like, there's no more men in my life. I will trust nobody. And so I grew up uh, a couple years after I graduated high school, I joined the military and it was the best thing for me. I realized immediately, I was like, here's structure. Uh, here's a group of, here's a lot of men. Obviously there's more men in the military than women. I served alongside of women, but from a men's man standpoint, there was, now there was these people that were my leadership, which they're instilling discipline and structure and they're demanding excellence and they're pushing you hard through these courses. But they were, there, there was always that thing that felt good. So I was like, okay, cool. So I became to, I became pretty mentally just like locked down and, and, and I would always laugh and joke with people and goof off. I always have had an ability to, to joke on the outside, uh, but on the inside, I just completely be completely be you know away from everybody else i was reckless and i was i was terrified to fail like i was totally insecure as a man uh but i worked hard and it was great for me because every single time i worked my face off they would send me somewhere else and let me go do something else and give me more responsibility and i just kept going and and if i'd go through training and i excel and then i'd get put on a you know get put on a crime in aviation so i'd get put on a, a crew and off we go to go test ourselves anywhere in the world and uh it was great and, and it just kept going and kept going. Um, and then along the way, like I've been in a, you know, I'd been in a relationship before and it ended in an affair and that was not okay with me. Um, I ended up getting, you know, I get married as so I'd been in two serious relationships prior to the one that I'm in now. Like now I'm happily in a relationship, but I've been in two serious relationships in my life. My job was my main focus. Yeah. Um, and the second one ended in the same way. It ended in an affair. I'd been gone quite a bit. And I'm sorry I'm being long-winded, but this will no, be no, 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 no. I'm happy to, for you to listen. I'm happy for you. It's not long-winded. This is this is gonna. Yeah, this is obviously gonna help you and help others. So just yeah, just, yeah. You just well, carry on. 
Okay. Well, so uh, in the process of that second one, I still remember exactly where I was and everything. And, and I, I, I've taken the time to really pour out and write everything to this, like to really process myself. But in the meantime, mental health still hadn't existed to me. Uh, and the moment that my now ex-wife, uh, in the moment that my now ex-wife, I came back from a deployment, uh, went over, you know, over the you know gone for six months or so came back um a couple weeks go by and then she tells me that she's had an affair that in that moment that didn't really mess with me because in that quick moment that she did my whole life has been built to like somebody's gonna betray me or betray me and then they're going to without a doubt like they like i don't have any worth so like personal worth nothing everything's built into what i do like i can do for others and give for others and they'll feel grateful and that's my only value yeah um then a couple seconds later, she told me she was pregnant with the man that she'd been having an affair with, and what that did, and I did not expect this. Uh, and I always had a, uh, I always had a routine, so I've never really had any issues whatsoever. Well, I say that I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have, but I've never had any issues struggling from PTSD or any of that kind of thing that a lot of people do in the traditional sense. Because I would always come back at a routine, I'd come back and hang out with family, and then two weeks after I got back, I knew I was going to get like four or five days with myself. And I was going to take that time and I was going to think through everything and be like, got it. This, this shouldn't bother me about that trip. Okay. But this does. And I kind of worked through it, make sure I was good. I just never wanted to be that way. Unfortunately, I, I unfortunately I've known a couple of people that have committed suicide. So that always made me aware of that. Um, and I'd had throughout the years, I'd had a couple, I'd had a couple brushes with suicidal thoughts, like pretty, pretty close times of thinking about it. But I, even then, I didn't think mentally that I had anything wrong with me. I was just like, ah, just, uh, just I was being stupid or something. I was really messed up, but I didn't know it. When she told me that, everything that rushed through my mind in a matter of a couple of seconds was, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to tell anybody. Uh, this is my life being re like in my mind. I envisioned that little child, which I didn't know anything about yet. It yeah. was inside of you know, that was inside of her that she was pregnant with. I envisioned this will be a boy. He will grow up. His father, like if, if I don't stay and help his father, whoever this person is, would neglect him. He'll grow up. He'll be sexually molested. He'll be ruined for life. Like all of that played out in seconds in my head. And I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And so the psychotic slide for me over the next 12 months of trying to figure out how to leave and not feel the responsibility, but feel like I was taking care of a child that wasn't my, like all these psychotic things were going through my brain. And I, I mean, I got to the point of planning my suicide a couple of times and then I just, I, I kept, I was trying to fight it, but I didn't know how and I started going through and like, okay, what happened to me as a kid? I'd never told anybody about being, ever being in any kind of a sexual misconduct way, like none of that. Uh, I'd never told anybody, I really never like t took the time to process like my biological father other than I hated him. I started taking the time to go into that. I still didn't know how to get help, and I think this is very important for people, is understanding that you can start to work through things, but you need some way or somehow that you get over that hump. And so for me, I dug into that. I started running. I started really just like focusing on my on my physical health and writing and doing all of that. Started to, started to try to fight back that fear of like committing suicide. At the at the almost year mark. I, I, I made the mind, I made my mind up of, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, um, I have zero value, zero worth. There's nothing like nobody misses me when I'm gone. Like I'm just gone and I do everybody a favor by leaving. Yeah. I did the whole, that kind of a thing. Um, 
but in doing that, I decided, it's funny enough, so I, I decided that I'd go out one last time. So I had, my girlfriend is Australian. She was over with her mom visiting from Australia. And, and through a mutual friend, we'd spoken and we'd set up. So she had said she was going to be in D.C. And I was like, sure, you know what, I'll, I'll go to dinner with you and your mom and then I'll show you some cool places. And that was the intent of that. And then at the last second, uh, and then I started basically just pretending like I wasn't going to go see him. I was just like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to go see him. The last second, I decided to go, yeah. uh, go see uh, see them, meet her and her mom, uh, and just be nice and be cordial. And uh, and we ended up talking that night. We didn't talk about anything like that. We talked about just life in general, kind of a conversation on the surface. The next night, I went out again to hang out with them. And in this weird moment, because I'd worked on myself for a year and I thought, I'm, you know, whatever. I didn't know what was going on in my brain, but something felt, something felt different. And so the reason why is because my girlfriend, her, her sister had been killed uh, overseas uh, six years before that. And so she, she had worked her way back towards that. She'd focused on resiliency. She does, she speaks all over the place, all over the world now, like on, on resilience and, and, and coming back from adversity like that. And so seeing her that she like found a way to recover and she was so mentally strong and started making me think like all right how, how how can i do this so i started to started to work on that i turned a corner so i, I was a couple of days away from you know yeah i planned my death i knew exactly how i was going to do it i knew how everything was going to work uh it was really it was a mixed up thing after i met her she went back to australia i didn't think i'd ever see her again this was a random conversations with a random stranger person for the most part that led to me just like, I don't know how I got to do this, but I have to stay alive. I just got to get through the 29th of July because that's the date that it had been a year. And I was yeah. like, I have to get through that. And I just, and I did, I got through it minute by minute. Um, and then I just kept going. And then it, I woke up the next day and it was like a new lease on life. And I just started attacking life with everything I had to try to mentally fix myself and emotionally fix myself. And so all the pain of 20 years being built up basically 20 something really 20 years of holding everything in i just said no i've got it like i had a year of all the darkness and i just decided i had to i had to get back and i i, I mean ever since then I, i'm very aware every day and i'm paying attention every day and i've started working back i finally met up with my girlfriend she came back to america for work we we didn't at the time we didn't even know that we would we, it was almost a year later when we actually started like truly speaking and talking about maybe we should look and see if we can do something uh, and try to make this work uh, she was she's coming she lives over here now and she's back and forth all the time so that was that was that and then from that i started realizing like okay i have to do something uh, unfortunately some buddies committed suicide and i just decided i'm going to start working and helping and do a podcast for this, do a blog, do whatever, but really start to focus on and what I'm starting to get into now and everything was supposed to happen and then Corona and everything kind of slowed it down, but it starts speaking, uh, start going to squadrons and talking uh, for, for a flyer to have a mental issue and to continue on flying is almost unheard of yeah. in the United States Air Force yeah. uh, in the military period, but it's almost unheard of to be able to keep your job after going through something and admitting it. And it's, I've never heard of a, I've never heard a flyer come out and talk openly about it, and so I'm, that's now my new like that's how I want to spend my time the rest of hopefully the rest of my life is focusing on helping in those in multiple ways. Now I'll be quiet because I realize I've just yanked on forever. No, no, no. It's just about it's your journey, and it's about you talking about your journey. 
um and and you're you've been obviously you've you've, you've been through you've been through quite a lot and sometimes you you've said things and you've kind of gone oh well I know other people but this is really is your journey um and you know other people's lives they you know they would have gone through things and and things but this is this is about you so if you so going I'm I'm, I'm trying to trying to kind of come to terms with the fact with, that you you had when you when you were abused you kind of knew what you knew what you you knew what was happening for a lot you know for so some people it happens at a younger age and they don't they don't kind of they don't kind of understand they don't know. yeah they don't understand you know if it's someone who's 3 or 4 or whatever fine they don't understand and they 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 they, 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 they almost but you you was almost like this thing where you you did you trust this you obviously trusted this guy this person i had no reason to not trust him i didn't uh, I, I didn't trust him in the sense like i knew him i was always careful but i but he was a grown man who was with us at this thing that is never supposed to happen at a church like this you know I'm a kid like this is never supposed to happen and it did uh, and but I wasn't it was the shock of it that kind of I think allowed me to unfortunately stick around and deal with that and then it was the I've, I've always thought about this I've, I've really thought about this a lot over the years and I think so much of it comes down to I felt like I was strong enough uh, and I like to be able to endure it. I was just like, I have to keep this from everybody. It'll be so embarrassing if people know. I just have to be mentally strong. And so I told myself when I was a teenager, I'd be mentally strong the rest of my life, and it worked. Kind of, not really, but for twenty years. So. Yeah, and when I say when I when I say trust, and I mean I don't mean that in the sense of the you right? Had, no, you, I know. Yeah, you already had you already you already had when I say father figure, I mean a male. You already already felt let down. In a sense, of having a, yes, a male role model, and here comes somebody else that you, you know, you, you you're doing sports and you're doing. You, you, it's probably someone that you maybe even looked up to to think, oh, this yeah, person, this person's here teaching me. Um, um, it's not not. I'm not saying he's gonna. You know, this person. As kids, we look at these people and we think, oh, this person could be. Absolutely. Like, this look at him is, kind of starry-eyed, and as if this person yeah, this was a guy in his thirties who was in shape, who was you know physically fit and, and strong, and a good-looking guy, kind of thing. Like in in your mind, so it's like, oh well, this is this guy is this guy's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> you know? exactly. He's looking, you know, he's 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 this person that is, it doesn't become a replacement for it, but in a in a sort of in a funny way, it does. He come, you know, this person, oh, you know. I hate this person. No, another person comes into your life, and you, you you're going along each week, or you know, you know, maybe two times a week, or whatever it is, and you're doing sports with them, and, and this, like you say, they, they physically fit, and this person becomes almost like a almost like a a, a replacement, and you kind of yeah, get 100%. that get that trust in them. Um, so, did you? What happened there? What what happened after? You know, what happened? During that, during after that time, I mean, did he was was he ever, you know, you didn't, did he, did you know of anybody that he interacted with that in the same way or you know was what happened later on? Not at the time. Uh, at the time, I don't, I really don't know. He could have, and I don't know. And I think I would have been so naive to not notice until it was too late. Um, and then I, I just think that was one of those things where um, you know what happens with people is and when they get into stress, you know, stress happens. 
when, when a high level of stress happens, people get very zoned in and, they, and a lot of people, and I'll use this as an example, because um, I think this is important for people to hear and understand as to, you know, because I, I think a lot of people, a lot of parents, my mom would be like, she was devastated when I told her. I didn't tell my mom. She didn't know until, she didn't know until 20 years later, you know, she didn't know. Um, and she was destroyed and she didn't and i felt horrible i felt like that i felt like a criminal telling her but it wasn't my fault right so but i think one of the things for people to understand is you know a perfect example is somebody be like oh well if somebody messed with me i could beat them up well if you don't train to be in a physical confrontation if you don't train to deal and to deal with getting somebody that's trying to harm you away from you you're not going to be able to do that when when stress happens you move slower when stress happens you think slower when stress so you have to build in reactionary skills so on like there's no real way to build in thank god there's no real way to build in sexual abuse training other than a parent just saying like hey don't so it makes it very easy for a predator so i i don't know if he did because i didn't know how to look anywhere else other than right inside and stay and stay afraid and so i think that's a massive thing and i do know later on because i obviously i knew who he was and i continued to track and everything else and realized that later on he did get called um but yeah it was it, so i'm sure it obviously did happen somewhere else yeah, but yeah yeah that's the only thing i'm aware of there so what was what was during after that time, you you wait because I'm trying to you 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 had a family background, and you've obviously built up some sort of some sort of resilience to have to have those knockbacks the first knockback you know a knockback so early. Do you think that's where that resilience came from in terms of try you know getting through those early early years? I don't know. I'm curious. I think for me, I think I was always, I was always very much, a, I'm a very, <laughs> I'm kind of an oddball. I know a lot of people think, I, I, I know I am, but I'm, at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm a normal person. I'm a human being, right? Like I'm a human being like everybody else. We all have a different way of processing. I'm very much the kind of person that loves to uh, read a deep, meaningful book or, you know, read something. Like I, I, for probably 20 years straight, 15 years straight or so, I would read Leaves of Grass every every fall, whenever the, when the autumn would come in. It was like this nostalgic thing. So I'm very much that kind of guy. And at the same time, I like contact sports where I'm gonna run into people very, you know, as hard as I can. So it's just like this weirdness about me. I think with me then, I think I spent so much time growing up wondering why I wasn't able to be loved by a by uh you know by a man by by like my father so i think that kind of like put that into me where i would like reflect internally and never talk about that outwardly because my mom remarried you know she married a man who i have nothing bad to say about we were never really close but but he wasn't a bad man he worked hard and everything else but i wasn't there that's not the kind of thing you're going to bring up at the dinner table like hey i'm just curious why my dad never loved me when this other man was sitting there i didn't know how to deal with that so i think i would pull everything in and reflect on that internally so much and try to really write stories in my mind about what life could be and how, how it should have been and all these other things that I just kind of went internal and just figured like, this is that one safe place. And I think it forced me. And then like the, my grandfather was my hero. My grandfather was a tough man. So I just believed I had to be tough because my grandfather was, um, 
I was at I was a couple weeks old when he just bolted a baby seat to his tractor and would drive me around on his, you know, and watch me while my mom worked uh, on his farm when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I was 4.30 in the morning. He would put me on the back end of his property and I'd bring in cows before I'd go to work with like a whistle and a flashlight. So like just being tough, you had to be tough. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just a combination of those two things. That's that's one thing I've always really tried to explore and figure out. Yeah. And from that from from that moment after you know after the abuse and what and even before have you always saw yourself as a somebody that wanted to be in military? What was it that you wanted to do growing up? And what, you know, you know, there's always this thing of, um, you know, you, 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 your father figure is the one that is the first person to take you to a, to your yeah. first ever game or, you know, help you to tie yeah. your shoelaces. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that as a detriment to mums out there because, you know, there's a lot of mums here who do this. But is that, there's that thing of, you know, the, the father figure that, that, you know, takes you to your first game, your first, you know, soccer, football game or whatever it may be. What did you want to be when you grew growing up, and and did that have, that must have had an impact on you on your kind of, like it does for most uh, some boys, you know, for a lot of boys who, who who may not have a role model. What did that do for you, in a sense? I tell you what, it's funny. Um, when I was growing up, I was like a lot of other kids. I wanted to be Michael Jordan or whatever, you know. But but uh, the honest answer is, I wanted to be my grandfather. Apologies, that's just the coffee machine going off. That no, beat, no, but, no, uh, no, just keep going. I wanted to. Uh, I think I wanted to be like my papa was my hero. He passed away this, uh, you know, this this past year. Um, but uh, he was my he was my hero. He'd been in the, you know, he'd been in the navy and he danced with Marilyn Monroe when he was young and all these things. And so, like in my mind, I was like, oh, well, this is a fantastic world. Like him and my grandmother were married for, for gosh, sixty something years. I'm, I'd be horrible to know the actual answer. That's terrible that I don't. But sixty something years. But in my mind, this is a guy who joined the military. Went over, uh, served her in the Korean time frame, uh, served in the Navy. He danced with Marilyn Monroe. He met Joe DiMaggio, these famous baseball players. He was a boxer. Like he, he got to spar with like, you know, Rocky Marciano, like these different, he, like these people. And so I heard these stories growing up and I was like, right, so I want to be in the military because then after that I get to dance with pretty ladies and I get to go meet famous people. <laughs> like in my, when growing up, this was where my mind was, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And, and so it kind of led me down the path of always knowing that I wanted to serve. Uh, I always wanted to serve in the military and I always wanted to be like my grandfather. When I got in, once I joined the military, uh, then at that point, then I realized, huh, kind of like this. Uh, it's a lot of sacrifice, but somebody gives me a paycheck and they allow me to go all over the world and meet unique people from multiple cultures. And, and it just, it stuck with me. But without a doubt growing up, I either wanted to be a professional athlete, but then I realized that I did not have any of those skills yeah. or I wanted to be in the military. So do you, do you find that being in the military kind of helped you, um, you, you obviously you seem like a, you know, they call it happy-go-lucky um, in a sense, uh, you know, I don't believe in luck, but I mean, you, you, you're positive and, and like you say, the built up resilience. Do you, do you find that the military helped you cope with um, a lot of the things that you would have your thoughts, not your inner thoughts. I think if I hadn't joined the military, I probably would be dead, or I would have ended up in jail, um, or, or or both, some version of that. I really do. Um, you know, I, I, when I was a teenager, I would get into anything and everything. Like I, 
like got into the local the local you know neighborhood gangs you know and the things like that just doing the dumb things you know yeah. and you know drinking and just all the little things like nothing nothing that was so i mean you know i I got kicked there. I got booted out of school whenever I was in a junior and to get booted out of a public school in Florida is not easy. Uh, I don't know where to, uh, you know, put yeah. that in comparison with in like England, but I know in, in, in Florida, it's hard to get kicked out of a public school. So I was, I was on a streak of stuff and I wasn't, I didn't hate people. Uh, I just, I've always been, a, I've always tried to be a positive person. That's my nature, but I didn't know how to keep being positive. But but the military gave me just enough discipline, which I wanted, and structure as I needed. Uh, and it gave me this chance. What it gave me was, one, there was no, I, I didn't have any of those instant, those, those other things. But it, it was the first time for me that I got away from everything I knew. But if I showed up and I gave everything I had, they would let me keep going. And so much of the military for me when I first started was was fear, right? So I was terrified that they were going to kick me out of the military if I failed at something. And they were going to send me home and I was going to have to probably get a job doing whatever until eventually I like either became a bad person like my dad had been or I get taken advantage of or whatever. And so for me... For me, up until the point when I was 35 driving into work, it used to take me 13 minutes. And every single day on the way to work, it took me 13 minutes from where I would get in my car until I would be at the base where I would go in. And that 13 minutes, I would think today's the day they find out you're not any good. Today's the day they find out you have no value. You can't do your job. You're, you're useless. You have to make today the best day of your military career. If you don't, you're going to be like your, your life's going to come apart. Like I lived that way mentally. Outwardly, people can never see that because I knew how to use comedy and relaxation and communication as a, as a, as a protective measure uh, to never let them get below the surface level. But that's the way I was. And it's funny, like I went through training and I, I was a distinguished graduate in the first job I had. And then I was a distinguished graduate in, a, in my aviation class and then uh and then my next training and then I became an instructor and I got roles that they they gave me roles that they don't normally give they normally give to somebody that had a higher rank and these are all good accolades but they were all based out of fear if I didn't do them like they would get rid of me and I and I loved the military was my family and so I was like this is my family now I don't want to lose this and so I did almost everything out of operating out of fear and anxiety and and it was it was just it, it it drove me in a way that now I'm so glad I had that happen to me. But for the longest time it was it was fear based that was continuing to force me forward. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think in other in other podcasts we can you know you know if you want to come back on again we can talk about the, your different journeys from different um, different countries because you've been in quite a few. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been, yeah, been, been lucky. You've moved around and you've been in quite a few countries. Um, so. We're talking about, you know, you mentioned that you, because again, it seems like as well that you, uh, you, you, you've brought up in a family, um, yeah, your grandparents were together for a long time, you obviously, it, and you said you've only been in um, two series, it, it seems to me that you, you've wanted a meaningful, you, you want a, you want a, you've wanted a meaningful relationship in your life and, and somebody that you could connect with because you've maybe seen that as you've probably had role, you've had a role model with your grandparents um you in terms of what you went through with those two the two relationships um what was what what was that like to deal with 
can't imagine how hard I would have been to deal with inside of those relationships. But uh, no, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I um, both relationships, I, I loved that person, you know, and they and I, and I do believe they loved me. I think that's important. I think what happens in a lot of times when people talk about relationships, they're like, how dare this person? This person was awful. Uh, what happened was a bad thing, right? Like I don't look at, uh, I, I always say this to somebody asks, I say the, the person I was with wasn't a bad person. They made a bad decision. They, they chose a bad choice. They, they made a bad choice in life. At the time, all I could think of was it's a, it's a complete, there's no worth in me, but I wanted something there and it didn't work because I also, the one place I felt safe and this is, it was the military. Like I felt safe there. I could open up with those people and laugh and joke more. You know, if you deploy to, if you deploy to somewhere uh, where there's nobody, but just the people that you're operating with, you learn them better than you learn them better than anybody else. You just, you just do. And you trust them in a different way because they're keeping you alive. So you learn a trust with them that you would never give to anybody else almost. Yeah, yeah. And so inside of those relationships, I really wanted, I really valued it, but I did also, I didn't know how to come at it and be honest and truthful. You know, my girlfriend now is the first person that I ever told that I'd been sexually abused that I'd ever been able to tell. And I, I just made a determination. I was like, this, this, this woman has to have everything. She has to know it about me. And like, I'm, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to see if she thinks I'm worthy of loving. And she does. And because of that, it makes our relationship so much better. Uh, but in those past ones, my fault, I always thought their fault was how it ended, but my fault was how it got to that point of me probably not being as open. It wasn't lack of love. It was just lack of trust and, and just like always turning to the turning to the job because the job is where I could feel like I got some form of therapy from, I guess you could say, um, and, and, and results. Uh, and so that's the way I would always turn to. They, with, when... Uh, when I my second my second relationship I was in that ended the way it did, I've always looked at that one and that one was r- much rougher for me because that was I'd already told uh, I'd already told my ex how it ended in a previous relationship and then she still chose to do that and take it to an even further extreme and so for me that was the epitome of like you have no worth. Um, but I definitely believe in love. I, I believe in love. I believe like if, if we're not trying to not trying to love everybody and love people around us experience that relationship with other humans i don't know why we'd be here like it's, it's really important and so i did manage to believe in that all the way through yeah. and and it's it's funny how things happen because yesterday there was a and i'm smiling now because there was yesterday there was a story it was last night actually and i saw it on on i can't remember what it was i was reading something and it came up and it said something like um this man this man is now living this man has is living with his girlfriend or yeah his girlfriend and she is in in while this virus is on so they obviously they're in what we call lockdown in a sense living with his girlfriend and she is pregnant with another man's baby and it's funny it's funny because you just brought that up and um it it, i've been there i know what that's like it begs the question of you know what do you do in that situation and um obviously there's lots of things there's lots of permutations to it or whatever you know, they, you know they, for them they that had happened with he'd he'd they'd split up 10 months before whatever it was nine months before whatever it was and then um decide to get because they knew they loved each other they decided to get back together and then what's happened is what's come out of that is she's now pregnant for another man 
So he's like questioning what should he do. So it's funny that you've 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 brought that up, um, and obviously that didn't. You, what what was your what was that decision like for you not to kind of go there? So interestingly enough, when it first happened, I decided I would raise the child. Right in my mind, I decided I would raise the child because I did it. I was so tormented by those things that I thought this is the only thing. Like this is my. This is my cross to bear, right? For lack of a better analogy, or whatever. I don't know, whatever. I don't know what the saying would be. Where in your, you know, in, in England or wherever, but you know, that's kind of a thing. It's my cross to bear over here. So I kind of thought of it like that, uh, which was terribly wrong. I also knew that this was a that my, you know, my soon to be ex was somebody that like I cared for her parents and everything else, and I wanted to try to do what was right. And I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to handle it. But I just thought I'm gonna do my best I'm trying to take care of this kid I handled it inappropriately because of that right I, I wanted to do that but it wasn't my place to do that um, I was there I like we we legally separated but basically we were hey we're gonna stay together in the sense of we're gonna stay together and I'm gonna help raise this kid but it, nobody will know this for a while until it's later on because I want to try to save everybody the embarrassment and then we'll move on but we'll but at first this is how we're going to handle it i'm, I'm going to move you away and we, there was a lot of internal dialogue with me that was really mixed up and i would try to fix it and, and be like i can't do this and then try to fix it and i can't do this and because i was so emotionally wrapped up in my past and i didn't know how to get out of my own way um but eventually i eventually i did um and and so much of that was so much of that was finally me starting to work on myself i mean like okay but crazy enough, the moment, fast forward uh, almost the exact year from the time that uh, she had told me uh, this, you know, that her child was born, um, by law, I was still the father, right? Even though we legally separated, we had to get, we had to go through the, the divorce. So legally, uh, I was the actual father. So it took, you know, it took paperwork to be like, hey, this isn't me. Like, I have to get the other person to prove that it wasn't me um, so that I wasn't responsible for that for that child anymore yeah. uh, which was tough you know it's a, it's a tough thing because it for me it was emotional of like i've got to sign a piece of paper saying i won't take care of this child imagine the irony of that happening yeah, to me before I just thought that, the irony, yeah. yeah it was really that really messed with me because i wasn't ready for it funny enough that when i told you i met my now girlfriend and then i didn't see her again i never thought i would i really never thought i'd see her again it was kind of it's crazy that we ended up together in that moment that second night whenever i we were talking in that and she said, what's your deal or something? Because we had not spoken about personal life at all the first night. Yeah. We'd just been laughing and joking and talking about the city and sports and life or whatever and just joking. She said that and in a moment. I was like, yeah, kind of this is what I'm going through. You know, it is what it is. You know, having to, having to end all of this and, and it's just stressful and everything else. But I think I'm going to, you know, she's like something about the kid. And I said, well, I, I've decided to help raise the kid because I don't want him to go through, you know, bad things. And, and I kind of, I didn't tell her exactly what I'd been through, but I was like, but I, I did have my father like the walk out when I was young and I don't want that. So he needs to have some kind of a male figure in his life. I'm not doing things right. I'll never forget. She said, and she said it, she goes, so do you want to be a martyr for the rest of your life? And I didn't know her. And for her to say that was like a smack in the face. And I didn't know what to do with that. And that really shook me up. And then that was the exact moment where I was like, yep, right. Don't know what's going to happen, but I got to figure this out. 
And that's when I started peeling those layers back and going, this is a problem. How do I identify what's my fault and what's not my fault? How do I move forward? And then doing that with the next thing and then doing that with the next thing and then over and over and over again. That one comment she made when she was just, because since then she's been like, I can't believe I said, I said it before I realized I was going to say it. And, uh, and I was like, that was the best thing you ever did. So. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah. yeah. So it's almost like you were doing, it's because of what's happened before like you said the irony because I was, I was thinking exactly the same thing before you even said it you know the irony was that somebody was signing over someone who was your biological father who was signing over paper not to be with you and it's almost like you're in this it's almost like a, years later you're in a similar situation you're going to be signing these papers up over for this person this child not to be yours um yeah yeah and and it was almost like she, she, she's saying that in being a martyr you you was almost doing it you, I'm not saying that you didn't love the woman, but you, it's almost like doing it out of a sense of guilt and yeah, and um, yeah, just 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 guilt and, and and just you know this aspect of I should do this. I maybe maybe I'm I'm, I'm you know maybe I can right the wrongs of what went before. Um, and, and I didn't know how to hold myself accountable for my life. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but everything that happened to me, the, the actions that happened to me aren't my fault. The, how I chose to handle them after that, that is 100% on me. That's what I have to be accountable for. And I didn't know how to be accountable for that when I was young, something that you don't normally know as a child. But as I got older, I should have been responsible enough. I should have been mentally, uh, I should have been responsible enough to go to ask somebody for help and get that help. And that's where, that's where a lot of people probably are like, Ooh, wait, what? Like, that's not your fault. No, it wasn't my fault that it happened. It is my fault that I let it go on as long as I did. Had I worked on myself earlier, I could have still had the career I had. I could have still had relationships. I could have still had joy. I could have had all that, but I could have had it with a better mental health uh, just an overall mental health that would have allowed me to live even more than I have. Yeah, definitely. So, fast, you know, you know, you, you we, you know, you just mentioned there that the, the, the moment came, and and you know, we're kind of, you know, onto the future. Um, what, yeah. what is what? What are things like for you now? And now you've, you, what are you? What's your? You've kind of now decided to, you say that's the first person that you opened up to and, and what was that moment like of opening up and telling, a, telling the situation of what happened to you? What was, what was that like for you? You know, obviously nerve wracking and... It was the single most refreshing moment of my life. Um, it felt as if, it felt as if I had been a dog on a, like chained to a tree yeah. and pulling at the end of the collar and it finally came off and I was able to run like it felt it felt so amazing it felt and i've and i've i've been fortunate enough to to fly and and travel and try ridiculous things that guys do to for a rush i've never felt anything like that it was the moment that i started living it was that like what like once i told her and that was after we were dating like so fast forward even further on but that was a refreshing feeling that gave me permission to be the best version of me i could be um and it was it was the, and it's funny because I, I, I immediately changed and shifted everything. And I was like, all right, now I'm going to be more open and have conversations with people about things. If because like, I'd heard about things like this before, you know, and like suicide. I mean, I, I was very familiar with suicidal tendencies and thoughts, but I was also familiar with losing 
really good friends of mine to suicide. And I finally was just, but I would be quiet. And after this, I'm like, no, I won't be quiet. Like, I will, I will help. Like, I will do my job. Before it was, if I start to help somebody, somebody's going to ask me why I care about this. And if they do, I'm going to have to tell them. And that's not, I don't want to do that. Whereas now I'm like, I, you know, if somebody asks me, I'm going to have that conversation with them so they can, I can hopefully help them get over that so they can move forward. For, for obviously that time of worrying and you said it, it was it was like you know the dog coming off a leash and, and off the chain because you, you actually said chain and you know chain around your neck is this kind of heavy thing um so yeah. in, and i like that analogy so your what was your what was her reaction what was her i mean did that that must have helped you her reaction to kind of to know that this person you, you know you, you've got some sort of trust there and this person is is you know, was it a sort of um, wait for the moment? What 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 she going to say, or did you kind of have an inkling of what she was going to say? Funny enough, um, I love my girlfriend uh, with all that I am. She's an amazing woman. She's she's truly an amazing human being, and uh, and I knew she loved me, and I knew that, and I loved her, and I knew that she knew I loved her, and everything else. But my mind conditioning itself for so many years, and when I sat down that night to tell her. I was like, okay, here it is. So, and I waited to tell her until she was over back in Australia because I wanted to do it via video chat, which sounds crazy. But in my mind, I thought what was going to happen was this is a woman that's going to love me. The minute she knows what happened uh, with sexual abuse, she's going to close the computer and never speak to me again because yeah. I don't have any worth and everybody's yeah. always proven that to me. So I wanted that buffer. I needed that buffer. When I told her she cried, I cried. Uh, it was a very emotional night for me, like morning for me, night for her. It was a very emotional time. But she sat there and she walked me through it. And she's very good with these kind of things. And she's like, okay, this is what your brain is telling you. Now, this is what you're in control of. And, this, and she helped me coach me because that's what she does. So that's what she helped coach me through that, that conversation and help guide me through and give me permission to keep talking about it. And it was a beautiful, it was, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was really special. And I completely believe she was going to, she was going to break it off with me because my mind told me that she would, but I had to take that chance. And it's the best thing I ever did. I, I was, I was willing to be tough and, and, and talk about it. And, uh, I still to this day, like, I think if I was, like I, I just yeah I don't know I think if it was this day I'd be like hurry up and tell her idiot like what are you doing but yeah. you know going into it it's not what I was thinking yeah. and the interesting thing about that is is that you, even though you this is the first person you told in a sense and and even though you or the first you know in terms of relationships but even though you felt that she even though in your head something's telling you because of all the problems that you've had before, you know, all the, all the, all the, 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 the you know, the negativity and sense of, you know, what's yeah. happened before, you kind of knew, how can I put it, you, you sense, you kind of took it on board that this is going to happen to me, this is going to happen to me, but in, in yeah. subconsciously, you knew that wasn't going to happen because that's the reason why you told her. Because, yeah. You, do you see what I mean? There's, there's a, there's, there's a. The mind's crazy. <laughs> the mind's crazy. It is when you look back, when you think about that, when you look at that and really analyze that, you, you, in this, looking back, you, 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 obviously knew that this person was, 
worthy of your trust and for you to be told. But yeah. there's something about you that says, right, I'm going to keep her over there. I'm going to wait for her yeah. over there. And I'm going to tell her while she's over there. And then wait for her to put the computer down. But you kind of knew that she wasn't going to put the computer down because you, you've already built up that thought process of this is the person that I, may, I'm, I need to be telling. If you yeah, me. yeah, 100%. And I think if people realize, and I, it's, it's funny, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a sociologist, I'm not a, anything with an ologist on the end of it. So I'm none of those. But, I, you know, I've been to school to study the, you know, the, the, the brain, but I understand mine now in the sense of I know that it can play tricks on you. But I think one of the things is where a lot of people get to the point of suicide, when a lot of people get to the point of stress and like they really get taken over by it and anxiety, so much of it is. The, the brain is such uh, it is such a unbelievably complex thing but at the end of the day it, it's trying to protect us right like it's our, like we're hardwired from you know from caveman days or whatever you want to say where you're like your mind you're like you, it just knows it's like hey if i go out right now a tiger will eat me i better be careful like it it was it's conditioned to think that you know so it's like if you get hungry you may eat what people will eat anything they want because they're like my mind I think I need to eat. Oh, okay. Your brain doesn't know what you need to eat. It just knows you need to eat. So, you know, like then your body tells you it was good or bad. So it's that whole concept. And I think so many people, they're allowing their brain to do that. But what's crazy is if you can get right past that moment, on the, the minute you get past that, I'm telling you, you'll feel like instantly better and like your whole life will come in and the sun will start shine on you. But the minute you do that, your brain's going to learn a new way to protect you and your new way of protecting may very well be, okay, I want to be okay. I want to be mentally healthy. How do I get there? I need to express this. I need to talk through this. I need to communicate. I need to get healthy. And, and so your brain will start going, oh, okay, well, how do we get you healthy? And then you start to dictate that a little bit more. And it's so important if you could just get past that one moment, that, that terrifying moment, your whole life can change forever. And, um, if you pardon the pun, you, you, you know, your life is now kind of, you know, I'm not saying that you don't have days where you, you know, you, 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 you don't think about things or whatever. Your life is on a trajectory in a sense. You know, yeah. Like I'm, I'm using that word as, you know, you're a flyer and everything. Yeah. You, your life is on a trajectory. What, what, what are some of the things that you... Uh, are doing and want to be doing to like you say help others and and you know you know even doing doing this podcast and what what are some of the things that you want to be doing to help others young people um you know older people yeah that's it thank you that's, that's a great question uh, uh so uh, a, a couple of things one when it comes to um i want to do things with my partner obviously with uh with katie because uh you know I, for the first time ever i'm willing to trust and be in a relationship and, 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 and grow uh, with somebody so that's a really big thing for me so we work a lot together on like hey, these are our goals and different things and, and i say that because i think it's important for people to try to like really get out and start to develop and trust you know work on relationship trust but uh so I do a lot of stuff with her, but at the same time, my big thing now is, um, you know, I'm still in the military. I'm still serving. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'll choose to serve, but mine is the passion project that I want to spend the rest of my life on. And that is, so I've got inheriting manhood. That's, I did that because I thought like nobody mailed my manhood card to me in, in the mail. Like I didn't know, like, I'm just like, I was waiting for that day, but they didn't. I had to kind of like figure out life. So I want to kind of help with guys that are confused and they're, they're lost or whatever. So that's why like I have a blog now that's it's, that's 100% for me to keep accountable. So I'm writing whatever I feel and I write it. It's not always going to be the greatest, you know, uh, 
or you know it's not going to be an art and a, li- a piece of literature or art but but it is what it is uh, and then the podcast to bring on people to talk but then also for me to just be like hey guys this is an important value as a man to have and and, and how that can be implemented in, in the world and how you can put that forward and so i'm really trying to do that and then at the same time and the thing that the thing that is the hardest for me it's the scariest for me in all of this now is to talk about to talk about life progressing you know and, and suicide and, and and being willing to speak up and doing it in a world where you know the military is pretty much for the most part it is like the this isn't to be negative towards the, the, the military um the military has programs for guys but usually the way this goes is like once a year you'll sit down and they'll go do a suicide prevention class and there'll be some old video of made up people that are acting it out it's like i'm having a bad day and the guy puts his arm around them and he goes it's okay bobby like it's something ridiculous mm. and sometimes that works but most of the time it doesn't and they're they don't it's not their fault they just they don't know what to do because in our world like I, I went through a program where they demand the absolute best of you, and if you don't have it, we will get rid of you. And I've lived and thrived in that world. But inside of that is you better be mentally fixed at all times or you're not getting in an airplane. But they don't want you to really work on that mental fix because if you do, you may have to admit things. And if you admit things, then you can't fly. So it really causes a catch-22 for them. So. For me to have had a commander that at the time was willing to work with me and get me back to a, a healthy mindset and allow me to, and to tr- show trust in me was a big thing. So for me, one of the big ones I'm going to start doing is trying to trying to coach people and help people individually, but at the same time, start to get out and start speaking and talking, hopefully inside of the military, but also high octane environments like whether it be sports, whether it be military, uh, whether it be a very, very stressful business, somewhere where it's like, hey, we have to operate at this level. And if you ever admit that you're bad, you're gone. And talk to those companies and talk to those people and go, no, 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 no. You've, you've spent millions of dollars to build this person into who they are. You need to fix this. Like, how can you fix this? And then for that person to realize, like, it's okay. Like, you can move through. Doesn't mean that you won't won't be side effects in your job but you need to fix yourself first and then realize that you can get back to that same and even better high octane level and so that's really where i'm going to spend my focus going forward yeah and you know i i'm listening to you um you know just you know we've only just been speaking you know today um you, for me and you know even listen to that i you know you, you you're in you're big into sports um, and and things to do with religion. I, that's where, you know, if I was you, I would challenge. I would um, channel my my energy into like giving talks on in the military and also in sports because obviously those are your, your passions. Um, the two passions, in a sense, of um, move. You know, the things that you've done and the things that you really enjoy um, and you, you're fairly passionate about. Uh, so what's what's life like for you now and and you know your relationship and and life you know like say you're on this trajectory and and you know you're doing all these things you you seem to be in a a more you know a happier positive place what's life like for you now and and in terms of enjoyment and and things that you do i uh i feel like i have most fulfilled version of life I could have had and I love knowing that tomorrow can be better um, I, I am a positive person by nature but I 
dealt with a lot of bad things, but I, I, I love being back there to where I can trust and feel safe. It's not like I just walk up to everybody and like, oh, I trust you now. Like, <laughs> it's still a process for me at all times. But, yeah. yeah, but it's it's the process, but it's something that I'm willing to go through now. But I, for me, life is life is beautiful. I focus on my mental health. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't have, you know, I don't have six pack abs. I don't have a sculpted chest. I'm not like, you know, I'm not six foot two. two I don't look like a Cristiano Ronaldo with my shirt off. That's for sure. Uh, but the honest answer is like, for me, it's like, okay, I spend time every day trying to get something out of, you know, whether it be running, right? Like I'm going to run and I'm going to run because it hurts because I've had a ridiculous amount of injuries. So this hurts for me to do, but at the back end of it, it proves me that I can. So mentally it helps me. Um, Food wise, I'm more careful. I'm not, I don't have the most structured diet in the world, um, but I, I eat healthy. Like, you know, I, I choose to eat healthy foods, uh, you know, 85, 90% of the time. And every now and then I want to have a cookie, so I'm going to. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah, like I enjoy my life when it comes to, I allow myself to enjoy it and I don't beat myself up. And I get to live this beautiful life now. I'm, I'm in an amazing relationship. My girlfriend, unfortunately, is in Australia right now. She's stuck there. She can't come back uh, at, for the time being. But that's giving us an opportunity to meet each other in a different way and go, okay, we have to be in this stressful environment. Think about for me, like I've spent so many years deploying, going down range or going wherever. And the two times that I've been on extended deployments, I've come back to relationships that ended. So now I'm being put in a situation where I have to spend months away from my girlfriend and then hopefully come back and, and not be in that kind of situation. So what it's doing is it's forcing me to face fears and it's forcing me to be totally open enough for us to have great communication skills. And it's been just, a, it's it's been the most fulfilling thing I could have ever imagined happening on the, uh, on the, on the back end of that. And, and I never expected it. Um, so I, I feel like I'm, it's a long way to say, but I'm, I'm feeling like I'm living my best life. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm so blessed. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed now. What would you say to, you know, people who have, who have, who have you know, maybe, uh, who are staying, not staying silent, who are, I can't say stay silent, people who are, who are being silent about abuse and, um, don't know which way to turn and, and, and things like that. What would you say to people, you know, in terms of talking to people and, and you know, trying to trying to speak out? <sighs> That's an interesting one, right? What would I, I think it's, there's no right or wrong way to handle it other than to keep it in. So if you keep it in and you don't go anywhere with it, then it's huge. Uh, then, then, then you're choosing to hold on to that punishment. For no reason other than you're scared and, and, and that's something that you can get over but I think the biggest thing is how do I say this so what happens is people will be a victim of their circumstances right but they'll choose to remain a victim and I think I would tell people choose to not remain a victim yeah. because the strength that the power like when like taking that in and holding all of that in made me whether i was telling anybody or acting on it it made me a continue to remain a victim once i started talking about it once i started trusting once i started pushing mentally to become a better person what happened to me was i immediately took back all the power i took that power back and i said now i'm in charge of my life i'm no longer a victim i'm somebody who went through something but i'm somebody who's now going to do better because of it getting like 
being able to shed that made me feel like I had a superpower. Like, watch out, watch what I can do now. Like, now I'm not scared of anything. Like, it gave me this thing inside of me that like really helped. So, being a victim isn't anybody's fault. Remaining a victim, it it, it is their choice. And I think it's really tough, but it's. I think that's what I would tell them is on the back end of it, you'll feel so much better. Say you know, I, I really don't want to end. The, you know, I'm not saying end of the conversation, but um, you know, it'd be nice to really get you back on again to talk about your your different aspects of what you've you know the, the different places and some funny stories and some things that you've been through in in, 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 in yeah. deployments and things like that. Um, where can where you know? For me, I, I would say I mean, it's, it's it's entirely down to you really because you know there's maybe a, there's a lot of people that like to or want to but you, you journal and things like that how do you how would you how do you find the fact that you may want to write a book is that something that's in your in your in your thing or is that something you know you're not thought about <laughs> yeah. never thought about writing a book uh writing a blog post for me makes me stressed so <laughs> but uh but no i uh well, that's cool. i've never really that's something you think you just laughed then you just laughed and that's something maybe you just you just laughed. You didn't you didn't say, oh no no, I'm not going to do that. You've laughed. So there's something that may have, <laughs> may have just kind of tweaked your interest. It's weird. I think it probably did in that moment. Um, I've never really thought about writing a book. Um, I really haven't. Uh, I've journaled my entire life. Uh, even when I go, I, I journal. I mainly journal about this is what I'm learning. This is what I need to learn more about it. And this is the cool trip I went on or whatever, something like that. But uh, as I started to write this blog, I realized how much I genuinely just detest writing because I'm not good at it. So it's something that I'm like having to force myself to get better at. Yeah. And so then maybe a, a book I've never, it's funny. I don't see myself as, and I, I, I feel like maybe most people feel this way. I don't feel like I've gone through anything, even though I know I have to the point that I, I, I don't think anybody would read anything I'd write. And I know that's a mental thing. I just don't know. Like it's, like I've never really. Yeah. I think I've just always gone to work and done my job. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, and it's funny. I don't know. I don't know how to process that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm smiling. I'm smiling because I'm listening to you, and I can see your, not see you because I can't see. You. I can uh, while you're speaking. I, can, I know you're smiling about it, um, and it's, and I know that it's kind of, it's kind of the journal and everything. It's kind of tweet. You're, you know, you're kind of tweaked your interest in a sense um so we'll see we'll see what happens with with that <laughs> we'll see so um you know just let's where, where can you be found where you know if, if anybody wants to, to 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 get in touch with you or speak to you about um you know maybe um advice or anything like that what where, where, yeah. can, where can you be found well so uh if you go to inheritingmanhood.com i've started that so i can start blogging uh again I'm sure there are grammatical errors. I apologize, but uh, you can you can follow along there. The podcast Inheriting Manhood is the podcast. Uh, if you want to just listen or follow along, if you want to reach out to me, uh, I'd say probably one of the best ways. So I'm on Facebook, you can again Inheriting Manhood. You can go on there on that page. You can email me uh, on Instagram. I don't have a fantastic Instagram. That's uh, just my name, Nate N A T E underscore Gladden G L A D D I N. It's like Aladdin but with a G. Um, and you can find me there. You can message me. You can talk to me and whatever. I'm not a superstar. I'm nobody fancy. I'm honestly, I'm just a normal human that's just kind of living life. But yeah, yeah I'm all, I'm always open to talk. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's been brilliant listening to you. You know, fantastic listening to you. And and, and you know, it's 
we've you know we've we've smiled we've we've you know there's been times when you've you, you, you've looked retrospectively and introspectively and, and like I say it's 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 fascinating hearing your story and and really 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 glad to have you on um, and I hope this helps you know these people listening out there can you know can get your story and listen to go to your website and you know go to Facebook and and kind of really get to know you more and, and kind of um, talk about their what they might be going through and, 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 and things like that so thank you for coming on it's been brilliant and no thank you so much for having me this is yeah it's, it's been therapeutic actually <laughs> it's been therapeutic for me as well <laughs> thank <laughs> thank you for coming on and that was men are nuts speak to you soon <laughs>